It's great to have you here on the Clark Howard Show, where it's all about you and your wallet. I hope you learn ideas from me so that you can save more and spend less, and don't let anyone ever rip you off. Clark.com is our main website, and ClarkDeals.com is where you go to save money. More about saving money in just a second. Coming up in just a few minutes in today's Clark Rageous Moment, imagine you're rushing to be at the bedside of a dying loved one, and you're on the airplane, buckled in, and a cold, uncaring, unfeeling airline comes and pulls you off the plane, and you never make it to the bedside before your loved one dies. Wait till you hear today's Clark Rageous moment. And later, if you were one of the one in three plus Americans, a little more than one in three, rent, there's something you just got to hear, a way for you to save money that I never thought about. So I want to talk right now about, we got this uh, little event coming up this weekend, the Super Bowl, and I wonder if I'm going to get sued by the NFL for mentioning the Super Bowl instead of calling it the big game or something like that, because they're really fussy about when you actually say the name Super Bowl. Anyway, Super Bowl is going to happen this Sunday, and... 100 million people approximately will watch some or all of it. It's funny because if you're not into football, which obviously more than two out of three people aren't in America because we've got 330 million Americans, 320, whatever number. Uh, Anyway, if you ever noticed, if you look at the program guide, if you subscribe to traditional pay TV, how many women-oriented movies, what used to be referred to as chick flicks, will be on the lineup opposite the Super Bowl through the afternoon and evening of Super Bowl Sunday. So a lot of counter-programming. But one in three Americans roughly watching something, that's a huge number. And so advertisers crave it because... You don't skip the commercials. In fact, the Super Bowl, a lot of people aren't really interested in the game, but they want to see the creative geniuses at work that do cute, clever, thoughtful ads, tasteless ads, whatever they are. And so Super Bowl ads go for the peak amount of any ads all year long, anywhere, $5 million for 30 seconds is the retail price for those ads. You better come up with something really clever that's $5 million for 30 seconds. And I think how many of them are so dull that you don't even remember who it's for. Or sometimes they're so clever, cute, you remember the clever, cute, but you don't remember what they're advertising. So it's a lot, a lot of money to put in something. But sports are the last bastion for advertisers where... They expect that people are actually seeing their ads instead of skipping through them with people time-shifting, DVRing a show, and just popping through and not absorbing any of the ads. So that's why the Super Bowl 
it's such a big deal for the ad agencies and the products they're advertising and services and sports just in general, but the audience sizes are shrinking. And the story early next week will be about how the audience sizes, in fact, are smaller for this Super Bowl, smaller than last year, smaller than the year before, and on like that. And that's because people that are younger generally are no longer tuning in to live television. That overwhelmingly, they're watching uh, streaming services, watching YouTube, watching most of what they consume on their phone. And the first person I knew whoever made that shift is someone who is not a millennial. It's our producer, Kim, who made that shift years ago when she got unlimited data on her smartphone and started watching streaming, and that was all she ever watched and got rid of her pay TV package. So it's harder for the advertisers to reach people, which is why there's such this big push on the sports programming. Now, the other thing that's a big push this week are TVs. This is another big bargain week that I would call Black Friday light, that there are a number of deals, particularly on off, off, off brand TVs. And on ClarkDeals.com, we have a list of ultra cheap TV deals right now. And I want to take you through a list of most famous TV brands. These are ones we have listed that are available at ultra cheap prices right now. We got one called Bolva. That's right, B-O-L-V-A. Wonder what that is. Then I've got one called, is this a time? A-T-Y-M-E. Has a variety of screen sizes. Scepter, Silo, Hisense, that's the Chinese one. So these TVs, these off, 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 off brand TVs are screaming deals this week. So even if you don't care about sports, but you want a TV, this is a great week for you to look at them because they are uh, pretty much in line with the cheapest prices of Black Friday weekend. So if you miss those deals, this would be a time for you to pick one up. I am a big believer that you buy off, 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 off brand TVs instead of name, name, name brand TVs because the TVs drop in price so quickly and the features on each generation of TVs are so advanced from the generation before that you don't want to buy with too much of your money a rapidly depreciating item. And TVs collapse in value one year to the next. So if you want to buy, take advantage of the deals this week and buy an ultra-cheap TV, look at the list we have for you at Clark Deals. Give you an idea. The biggest screen size we've got on this list is a 75-incher, $999. Think how cheap that is for that size. 55-inch, $279. There are a bunch of 55s, $279, $299 right now. And then if you want what's considered to be a personal TV, personal TVs are right around $200. Personal TV is one that's around 42 to 46-inch screen size. 
which is funny because I remember when the largest screen TV you could buy for a living room was a 25-inch TV, and that was considered to be gigantic. And now we're talking about personal TVs being 42 to 46 inches. So go get the deals and have fun watching the Super Bowl. And I do something completely that is, I mean, it's heresy to a sports fan. And I'm a big time football fan. I record the Super Bowl. I alone of maybe everybody of the 100 million watching it has no concern about the ads, don't care about them at all, don't care about the halftime show, don't know who's performing, never know, not important to me. So I record the game, and we can go to dinner at any restaurant we want to. There'll be nobody there. Come home, the game can be hours underway. Start watching it at that point on the DVR. Skip the ad, skip the halftime show, and I will already be caught up with the game late third quarter, early fourth quarter, and then I have to watch the rest of it real time, if it's still a game worth watching by that point. Andrew's with us on the Clark Howard Show. Hello, Andrew. Yes. Andrew, do you have a team yes. you want to win in the Super Bowl? The uh, I just hope for a good game and maybe the uh, – I don't know. I'm an NFC fan, uh, closer to the Charlotte Panthers, uh, Carolina Panthers, and I'd like to see NFC win, but uh, I don't know. I just hope for a good game. All right. What office are you running for? That was like a perfect politician statement. Well, that was, I, that was me in a past life, so I'm no longer in uh, politics. No way, really. You really were in, in the political life, and I hit it perfectly with your comment? You hit it perfectly, and... Uh, um, I guess it was a, a good politically correct answer this time around. It certainly was. How can I serve you, Andrew? Uh, we're in the market right now for a uh, fixed rate, 30-year fixed rate, and looking at credit unions and um, understanding that some credit unions you can join um, through an auxiliary group or a civic club. If you're a member of, you can join other credit unions and seeing if there was a kind of a site-like bank rate for credit unions. There is there's kind of one if you go to the trade association for the credit union industry which is cuna.org mm-hmm. and and you go there there's a find a credit union link there where you can find credit unions near you or find ones that you might be eligible for and what's so great with uh with online access now is if you're looking for a mortgage you can go to the website of a credit union and see up front what kind of rates they're offering. Because the thing is with um, with credit unions is there are what I call borrower's credit unions and saver's credit unions. And the difference is borrower's credit unions tend to put a big emphasis on offering the best loan rates, where saver's credit unions have a bigger emphasis on trying to encourage their membership to save money and tend to offer better deals on savings, but then in turn, their loan rates may be a little higher. Now, 30-year loan rates right now uh, have gone up, and for people with really solid credit, you're going to find at this moment, you're somewhere between 4 and 4 and a quarter percent, which I imagine you've seen as you've looked around some. Right, 
Right. But the di- just because several institutions may quote you, let's say, four and an eighth, not all are equal at all because what really matters beyond that is do they charge you any points? Each point is 1% of what you're borrowing. And then what kind of closing costs they'll charge you? Mm-hmm. So i like for you to chart out the credit unions you're going to consider with all three fields where you put down the rate, the whether there are any points, and then what the likely closing costs are to try to figure out what is your best overall deal. How long do you right. think you'll stay in the home? Uh, the house was built as a uh, uh, someone's retirement home, but they decided to move to the uh, coast. So it's a, a good one-story house. Uh, uh, plenty of room for uh, my family, and um, what we know, we plan on retiring there. So this is a long-term play. Yes, long-term play. All right. So if it's a long-term play, then it's in many cases worth it as long as you can see your way to pay back in about thirty months to take a loan potentially that has a lower interest rate, even if it means that you have potentially uh, more in points or more in closing costs, if the goal is to stay a really long time. But again, as you do that math, 30 months is the break-even point. If you can make up the additional costs in two and a half years, it's worth it to take the cheaper rate with higher costs. Otherwise, just take the best overall deal. Good deal. Thank you. And good luck shopping for the mortgage. I know at first when you're shopping for a mortgage, it gets really confusing. That's why I like you to chart them out. But pretty quickly, you'll have a sense of what is the best deal. I'm stunned to share with you today's Clark Rageous moment. And it involves the lack of humanity that keeps coming up with the nation's three full fare airlines. In this case, involving United Airlines. Gosh, that's a shock. United's been in the news before, haven't they? Scams, rip-offs, outrages. It's a Clark Regis moment. You may have heard about this story, a woman named Carol who got a call that her mom was dying and Carol lives in Colorado, her mom in Minnesota, and A friend bought her a ticket online to go be at her mom's bedside. And then she gets word that her mom is even sicker yet. She's got to hurry up. So her friend changes the ticket. And she gets to the airport, gets on the plane, buckled into her seat on the plane. And then the gate agent comes on and says, get off this plane now. And she said, why? Your ticket's fraudulent. Get off this plane now. And doesn't want to hear anything from her. Kicks her off the plane. It's the last flight of the day that will get her from Colorado to Minnesota to be at her mom's bedside. Distraught, she gets in her car and drives all the way from Colorado to Minnesota. And on the way, her mom dies. United calls to say they want to send flowers. Really? Really? There's a lot more to this story involving uh, how triggers work with 
problems with fraud and all that involving airlines and online agencies buying tickets and all the rest. But as you dig into this story involving United, at the core and at the key is a lack of basic human decency and basic humanity. You know, United got terrible publicity last year for uh, Dr. Dow being beaten up and dragged off a plane, other circumstances that came up with United. And the problem at core to me, because there was another story about American just two days ago involving terrible abuse of a passenger, is that I think these mergers that I didn't see a problem from dollars and cents standpoint have made these organizations too big to care anymore, and that's what's awful. Thanks for taking time out of your day to join us here on the Clark Howard Show, where you learn ways to save more and spend less, and don't let anyone ever rip you off. You got a question for me, go to clark.com slash ask. You also can ask a question from a member of our team. That's free. We've been doing that for 25 years. If you go on clark.com, scroll down a little, you'll see the phone number and hours available for free off-the-air advice to serve you. So we got to talk. Do you know we have a much higher percent of renters in the country than we used to have? But the trend has started to reverse. And for the first time in a long while, the percent of American adults that are homeowners instead of renters is rising instead of falling. And it's happening in the midst of multifamily housing developers, also known as apartment developers, building an unprecedented wave of new apartments around the country. The apartment type of choice is called the five over one. And you see, once you know this expression, what they build, as you drive around most any city, you'll say, oh, that's another one of those five over ones Clark was talking about. And it's a method of construction that is a very inexpensive way to build apartments where they are able to build stick built instead of doing poured walls or anything like that, and they can go up in the air the five stories over the initial one. That's why it's called five over one. And so the method of construction is so affordable, and people have been popping them up all over urban areas, suburban areas, mid-sized cities, large cities, to a lesser extent, smaller communities to the point that apartments that were having continually escalating rents way beyond the rate of inflation for year after year after year, that whole picture is reversed. And now you've got the increased stock of apartments available, the decreasing demand for those apartments, and what that means is what had been a very strong landlord market now is flipping in community after community to a tenant market. Then the calendar. I read in Market Watch about a report that depending on where you live in the country, 
there's a significant advantage to a moderate advantage, depending on where you are, negotiating a lease in winter versus the rest of the year. A large number of people, and the the exception to this is Florida, because there's not the temperature swing that would make a difference, but in all other metro areas surveyed, there's a big advantage price-wise negotiating that lease while it's cold instead of when it's not. And the largest gaps in the United States are in Philadelphia, Atlanta, and New York. But there's still a meaningful gap elsewhere in the country because people flat out don't want to move when it's cold. So if you are tough enough to deal with it, this is when you negotiate, this is when you make a deal, and this is when you occupy. And by the way, if you're already occupying an apartment, I know you're stuck in the cycle of when your current lease expires, but think about what I said about supply and demand shifting. If you, before your lease expires where you are, typically I like you to look six to eight weeks out, get out there and see what else is available, and you may be able to find a much better deal somewhere else, even across the street from where you live right now. And it doesn't mean you have to move, but you find out what deals are available, you check out other places, You go back to your landlord who wants you to renew, and you say, gosh, I really wanted to renew with you. But look at this deal I got two buildings over or down the street. And often you will find that they will come off the rent offer to not lose you. Now, you can't negotiate with yourself, meaning you got to go out and look and see what else is out there. You can't just say to your landlord, the rent's too high. You go out and you shop, and that's how you're going to get a better deal. And the best deals go to you if you're willing to put up with the inconvenience of moving. Because if your landlord tells you, go soak your head, you can say, fine, here's my notice. I'm moving across the street. If you're not willing to move, you don't have nearly as much leverage. But shopping around gives you that first leg up on your landlord. Andy's with the, with us on the Clark Howard Show. Hello, Andy. Hello. How you doing? Doing well. How are Good. You? That's really important when somebody calls me to ask me about insurance. Yeah, I was wondering about supplemental insurance. And is this like for um, a illness or is it for accident or what kind of supplemental are you looking at yeah i have I, you know i currently have health insurance but that's not going to cover uh my salary or my my pay i'm self-employed so you know if i get hurt that's downtime i won't be making any money got it so you're a smart guy because i am a huge believer in disability insurance. I'm not a believer in something that's like an accident policy or something like that, where you only get 
money if a particular narrow thing happens to you. But with disability insurance, it doesn't matter why you can't work. It picks up income for you when you can't work. Is that okay. is that what you were thinking of was disability, or were you thinking of something that was more specific than that? No, I mean, if, if, that, if disability means that I fall off the ladder and break my leg and can't do anything, then this would be the same thing as supplemental insurance or something just like that, correct? Yeah, so disability, why, why I recommend it so highly versus like there are these policies that cover specific kinds of illnesses. And if you don't get one of those kind of illnesses, it won't cover you. Or those that cover an accident or whatever. I don't want you to be in something where you're saying, well, I wish instead of having this, I'd had that because then I would have gotten this money. Instead, you named exactly the situation that you buy disability insurance. Okay. And do you buy your auto and homeowners or business insurance from any kind of agent or broker? No. So you call an 800 number? Oh, no. I mean, I have a specific company that I'm with, and I've been with several years. All right. So you could call that company and ask them for referral to somebody who specializes in disability insurance. Okay. Because it's a specialty area. And so just a normal insurance person usually doesn't know enough about how to write a disability policy and you can typically buy something that replaces uh, most often it'll either be 60 percent of your income that you uh, typically currently earn or 70 percent of your current income so it's just how much of the risk you're willing to take on right do you know why they don't pay you 100 percent no two reasons one, if you paid somebody 100% of what they make now to sit on their rear end instead of working, somehow people slow walk getting back to work. So they don't want to pay that. you the same amount you would make working. And second, it's expected that there are less expenses not having to commute, not having to go to work, not having to buy supplies for work, whatever, than uh, you would normally have just living your life. So having not having all those expenses that's why they don't cover a hundred percent so both of those reasons i see so hey, if i go through the the big insurance company company that i'm with you know for homeowners and and other things cars they may not they were, write it at all i mean they'll tell you if they write disability right they may not even write it it's a it's a more narrow market because even though people have a three times greater chance of becoming disabled uh, up to age 65 than dying up to age 65, people are much more likely to buy life insurance than they are to buy disability. But the reality, disability is a real high priority that very few people will tune into. And Andy, you're going to be the exception getting it done. Jackie joins us on the Clark Howard Show. Hello, Jackie. Hi, Clark. How are you? Great. Thank you, Jackie. All right, so there's something I said recently on the show that has terrified so many people that I don't stop hearing about it. So you get to bring it up again, which is, what did I say about how much money someone should save for retirement? 
You had told someone who I believe was in their early 40s that they should have 10 times their income, or sorry, 25 times their income to retire comfortably. And I've always heard 10 to 12. Okay, so where do I come up with 25? So if somebody wants to retire extra early and the person who was on the air was saving a huge amount of money, if you remember, they were they were a big time saver. They'd already saved a big chunk of money. And often when people have done that, they're really thinking about bagging work late forties, early fifties. So you're not gonna have social security. You're not typically gonna have any kind of pension from anywhere you worked. So if I'm gonna be realistic with someone who wants to do early retirement, then they're gonna have to depend just on the money they've managed to save. And if you're never going to outrun your money, in other words, live longer than the money you've saved, typically you can only spend 4% of what you've got each year. Yeah, and I I have been thinking about early retirement, not that early of a retirement as 40s or, or early 50s. So that's why it kind of made my heart skip a beat. So my job is to push you to save as much money as you possibly can so that what I always worry about is that when somebody retires and things are okay right when they retire, but we live longer than we expect. And so if you end up spending more money than really will work for your wallet later in retirement, you may hit a point later where you don't have enough money to deal with day-to-day living and you might not be well enough physically to get out and work again. So I like to err on the side of caution for anybody who's going to retire early. So 25 times your current salary is like to beat somebody over the head with a baseball bat, figuratively, not literally, and encourage them, Jackie, to save a lot of money so that you will not be precariously, uh, dangerously low of funds later in life. Is that also assuming that you need 100% of what your income is? Well, well, remember, the money that you're spending, you've got to out-earn that to deal with inflation over time. So you're not spending all of it. You have to have the money continue to grow because what will allow you to live today 20 years from now you might need twice as much money because of the effects of inflation over a generation okay so so that's why i i make it such a high bar so let's say somebody works normal working lifetime cycle so a lot of what you might need uh, a meaningful chunk might be handled by social security and if you happen to be lucky enough to have worked at a place at least part of your career we have some pension that will come your way, that would also reduce how much money you need to save. But for people who have a hankering to retire at an earlier age, then the amount of money you have to save has to increase because you've got more years to cover because you're going to live so many more years in retirement than somebody who retires at normal age. And you're going to have to live completely off that money you've saved. Okay. 
sorry. Seven. So are you still as, as freaked out by what I said? Uh, no, I'm not because I have some, I'm lucky enough to have some of those other options like a pension. Well, that is perfect. So, but I got your attention about saving money and that's the goal in the first place. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Hey listeners, whether you love true crime or comedies, celebrity interviews, news, or even motivational speakers, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue, right? And guess what? Now you can call the shots on your auto insurance too. Enter the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. The Name Your Price tool puts you in charge of your auto insurance by working just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance. Then they'll show you a variety of coverages that fit within your budget, giving you options. Now, that's something you'll want to press play on. It's easy to start a quote, and you'll be able to choose the best option for you, fast. It's just one of the many ways you can save with Progressive Insurance. Quote today at Progressive.com to try the Name Your Price tool for yourself and join over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. It's time for Ask Clark. That's where you post a question for me at Clark.com. Producer Joel asks it for you. Yeah, Clark. Sam wrote and he says, Clark, I heard you talk about the energy and water saving measures that are built into new habitat houses, because you're doing a habitat build right now, making them super efficient for only 2 to 3% more in the cost. Can you tell me more about the details and design features, and are these things available to the general public when building a new home? Yeah, so there are several things that each Habitat affiliate constructs as they wish. The Habitat affiliate that, uh, that we're building right now with, with my listeners and viewers and web visitors, so with the ones we're building, we do offset double outside insulation before we put on the siding. And that is a big saving of energy because you eliminate the heat-cold exchange between the inside and the outside. In the attic, we used to do rolled insulation as volunteers. We now have an outside vendor come in and do the foam, the spray foam insulation that seals all the holes in it. In addition to putting the foam board in the houses, we put rolled insulation in the walls, in the interior of the walls between the uh, studs and those are just some small examples the other thing is we build on a crawl space with this affiliate and we make the crawl space what's known as condition space which is another way of reducing the cold heat exchange you have between the condition space inside the house and the outside the net effect is that for a four bedroom 1200 square foot home the total energy bill per month including everything should be less than $60 a month and that's just because of making them ultra efficient and this is something there are builders around the country that do this if you go to energystar.gov you can click on a guide where by state you can see builders that build homes from the ground up ultra energy efficient and even some that build what's known as net zero or near net zero, no energy cost at all. You're listening to The Clark Howard Show. I want you to know that I appreciate so much that you've just tuned into our podcast, that you had faith in the information and advice you get. You want more information from us? One of the best ways to get Clark Smart is with our free newsletters. 
Clark Daily, Clark Deals, and Travel Escape. Sign up now. You'll be able to unsubscribe at any time if you think I'm wasting your time. Go to clark.com newsletters.